Welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest and Sri Lanka. Super exciting to have the Sri Lankan Bitcoiners here today to talk about what's going on over there. Uh, a lot of dramatic news coming out of Sri Lanka recently. Uh, but of course, Bitcoin is uh, low time preference. So it's not only about what's happening today, it's what's happening in Sri Lanka in general and in Bitcoin. So super excited about that global bitcoin fest we're a community of plebs that are passionate about hearing communities from all over the world we started by giving away free sats back in 2021 then we accelerated that when Nayib Bukele announced his uh, effort to implement bitcoin in El Salvador and we started giving away free sats in El Salvador, Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela in Spanish. And then that little group, there was a guy that suggested, let's do a 24-hour space on the day when Bitcoin becomes legal tender in El Salvador to celebrate with the whole world and Bitcoiners across the world. And we organized this in six days and uh, Bitcoiners came together and did one-hour spaces, 24 separate spaces, and it was insane. It was super exciting. It was super fun. And we were like, okay, hey, let's do this. Once a week, let's interview Bitcoiners in different communities. And that's what we've been doing since last year, 21. And that's what we are doing now. And uh, we're just very excited to, to listen to local communities and also when people connect through us and listen into this, say, Lonely Planet style uh, conversation about the place and about Bitcoin and the place. So Global Bitcoin Fest, Sri Lanka Bitcoin community, so excited to hear what's going on. My name is Lucas and I'm a fairly recently minted Bitcoiner. I uh, am an original shitcoiner. First time I heard about Bitcoin was 2013 and instantly I, I thought it was too expensive and I should buy Litecoin and Feathercoin and uh, I mined a bit of Litecoin as well and didn't look at it again until 2017 got really confused by the four block size wars and uh, went all in on shit coins lost 98 percent of everything and only in 2020 when i sold the shares in the company that i founded in 2010 a company to sign documents electronically uh, i had to think about how to save in a responsible way and uh, having been wrecked already in 2017 18 um, i really thought hard about it and uh, I wasn't really thinking about Bitcoin at first but after a long journey thinking in 2020 I realized Bitcoin is probably the safest option here and in tw early 21 I started hanging out in spaces and all of the people here made me into a proper hardcore maxi and um, yeah I'm loving it thank you that's me and uh, SL thank you Lucas <clears throat> Um, to be honest, I'm a fairly new, newly minted Bitcoiner as well uh, in terms of like stacking sats. But I started, um, actually I, I'll start uh, 
from the very beginning. Uh, so I'm in my background is in physics. Uh, I did my uh, whole undergrad in Sri Lanka uh, until 2015. I came here um, for my higher studies. I came to the U.S. Actually, I'm right now. I'm in the U.S. Um, did my higher studies there. Got the PhD. And right now I'm working as a engineer in a tech company. Uh, my Bitcoin journey started as early as 2015 uh, when I started listening to Max Kaiser uh, on YouTube, and his his thoughts and his conversations with other Bitcoin Maxis. Uh, kind of molded me into a Bitcoin, Bitcoin Maxi from the beginning. And however, since I'm, I was a international student uh, in, the city, uh, in the state of uh, New York, I, I wasn't sure like, can we, can we buy Bitcoin? Is it illegal? So I didn't do anything for the first five, uh, five years uh, as a student in this country. But in 2020, when uh, when the COVID thing started spreading and markets, all the markets started crashing, I I kind of uh, see how how the thesis that Bitcoin uh, is trying to solve comes into play and how things uh, how shit hits the fan. Uh, Bitcoin is the way out, the exit valve. So I immediately started stacking sats, uh, and also I didn't have much connection to uh, Sri Lankan uh, Bitcoin community or crypto community, uh, as most of the local groups identify themselves as. Uh, but uh, then I joined Twitter and listened to these spaces, uh, started uh, listen to all the podcasts by Stefan and other hardcore Bitcoiners, and also I tr started trying to communicate in in my local language uh, these concepts and uh, stuff like that as some uh, Facebook posts. So it started gaining momentum, and uh, I I was able to connect with uh, some of the local groups and uh, identify. Uh, some Bitcoiners, but most of them are still like shitcoiners. So it, it's like I'm in these groups. I see all this shitcoin things happening. It is very uh, kind of hard uh, to uh, raise voice in like a shitcoin community. So I started my own um, Facebook page and a YouTube channel. Uh, in the Facebook page, I got very like a good response for my posts. Uh, I was only uh, able to do one uh, YouTube thing right now, but uh, I, I'm I'm still planning on how to like uh, proceed with this education, uh, especially during these times. Uh, I think education is the most needed thing regarding Bitcoin. So. I'll stop st uh, talking Bitcoin, so um, I'll I'll hand it over to you, Lucas. Very, very interesting. Thank you very much, uh, Stefan.
Yeah, so uh, so I host a Bitcoin podcast. I interview people uh, about Bitcoin. I was born in Sri Lanka, but raised in Australia. Nowadays, I live in Dubai, UAE. I have some family and friends back in Sri Lanka, um, but generally, I'm planning to be listening in this space more than talking. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Boom. We continue with Kashyap. Hey guys. Uh, so I'm actually from India, not exactly from Sri Lanka, but. Uh, I've been following the uh, Sri Lankan economy pretty closely because, you know, I kind of feel like whatever's happening there is going to happen at some point in India with all the currency controls and the stuff that's going on. So my Bitcoin journey, I actually, uh, I started out as a hardcore gold bug. So this was back in 2010, 2011. And there used to be this serious argument between the gold bugs and the Bitcoiners. The Bitcoiners were the libertarian anarcho-capitalist types and the gold bugs were more on the conservative side, like the conservative side of the US political spectrum. So these guys used to have all these arguments and I was an anarchist, but I used to side with the gold bugs. And that's kind of how I came to know about Bitcoin. And I didn't do anything about it until around 2015 when I started uh, accepting Bitcoin in payments. and. That's when it kind of opened up to me that, hey, gold could never do that, right? So that's when I, uh, that's how I actually started my Bitcoin journey. And uh, so my background, I'm uh, basically a trader. So I trade stocks, I trade commodities, I trade pretty much anything that's tradable through an exchange, right? So that's me. And uh, I uh, used to work for this company called the Dollar Vigilante pretty famous uh, within the crypto space overall. They used to be about Bitcoin, not so anymore. But yeah, so that's about me. Thank you, Kashyap. Maybe you can add in the uh, about the economy section. Uh, Praveen, hey. Hey. Um, yeah, so a little about me. I was born in Sri Lanka. I was eight when I left. Uh, and I'm in Canada now, hoping to get the hell out of here. Um, uh, I have a lot of family in Sri Lanka, uh, like grandparents, cousins, um, and my parents are, well, I'm at my parents right now, and they were, um, they were in Sri Lanka like a couple months ago. Um, Bitcoin, I really became like, I would call myself a Bitcoiner only in 2020, like when everything was going crazy, uh, especially in Canada with all the mandates, lockdowns, that's when I really got into it. But, uh, I did dabble in Bitcoin when I was in university, so it was like twenty before twenty fourteen. Um, just wasn't smart enough to keep any, um, and and then yeah, and then I used, and I bought some again in twenty seventeen when you could buy Bitcoin with Coinbase uh, with with Visa. So, um, but I wasn't really smart enough to to be a Bitcoiner back. Then we really say everybody gets Bitcoin in 2020 close to the uh, or close, not close, a little out around 40, whatever. Um, yeah, and then I'm excited to talk about Sri Lanka. I haven't, I mean, I've been back a few times, but uh, a lot of my experience, I guess, is more secondhand as well because it's from my parents and family down there. Um, you know, I've had some experience like directly with currency controls. Uh, that's in Sri Lanka, I think that. Uh, plays directly into Bitcoin, which we can get talk about later. Um, and 
I guess, a little bit more about me. I'm a software developer, so I came to Bitcoin from the tech side. That's pretty much it. Um, and you're also a bit toxic. Uh, you're calling out <laughs> non-maxis prior to the space. I really appreciate that. Um, I've uh, observed that communities uh, that we interviewed that have some proper toxic maxis um, are able to build a stronger base and attract people over time. Uh, so uh, I'm quite positive on toxicity if it's done the right way. Paco, hey. Hi, Hi guys. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for organizing this space. Uh, my name is Paco. I am from India. And I became a Bitcoiner, or I learned about Bitcoin last year because of the book called The Bitcoin Standard. And that book really inspired me to start off a journey that's called Run With Bitcoin. That is to travel 40 countries in 400 days by using Bitcoin. Uh, in the book, uh, it really teaches you about time preference and it teaches you about the hardest form of money. So I love traveling. And I just found this passion to mix with Bitcoin together and to share the positive vibes around. Because every time people say that toxic maxis are very toxic, they're bad. But I really believe that all Bitcoiners are really kind. And that's the purpose of the journey to show that there is adoption of Bitcoin. That do mass awareness, host Bitcoin meetups, just like you, Lucas, who is hosting it like this here online. <laughs> I do it in the physical world and uh, eventually to just show, ultimately to just show that humans are really kind. Uh, for me, it's just been almost a year now, but I, I think so as the time passes by, I'm getting more and more toxic. Doing with their own coins and they're just milking their own coins, converting them to Bitcoin, you know, they make money off shit coins and then they convert it into bitcoin which is what i've come across all my travels currently i'm in nigeria this is the 17th country of the journey and the journey goes on because of the lovely bitcoiners all around because of all of your support this has been possible so thank you everyone and i just uh, was yesterday at the meetup and i just felt i just this came down and it says like ask not what bitcoin can do for you ask what you can do for Bitcoin. So I think so everybody is doing their fair share in Bitcoin adoption around the world. And this is a blessing to be just part of this wonderful community. Thank you. Thank you. And you were in Sri Lanka. That's why you're here. You you met a lot of people in Sri Lanka, right? Yep. Yep. I met a, I met so many down there that this was February and this is when Kashyap uh, came down to, he was like, I just want to see what what is the country going through? And uh, it was practically, it was very inevitable that it was going to go down. Uh, the financial terms were really bad. Uh, but the community is so vibrant. I mean, there is a huge crypto community down there. They have like almost six, seven groups are down there. And I got to meet so many people. You know, even at On Heart, everyone is a Bitcoiner. It is just like they are finding other ways to make money, and but then convert it to Bitcoin. And that's how I came across SL Bitcoiner, who has this wonderful farm also. Uh, he uh, he grows pineapples and he converts the Bitcoin converts the profit to Bitcoin. 
and yeah man so really grateful to be part of this community of sri lanka oh thank you so much okay so let's talk a bit about sri lanka and uh, i suggest if we could start by a little bit of history about sri lanka uh, that'd be great to get a bit of context um how we ended up or how sri lanka ended up where it is today what is the history of sri lanka uh, anyone that could give us a a brief um, background uh, don't be too short please uh, you know share from you can share from you know hundreds or even thousands of years back if you if you think it's relevant okay i'll i'll jump in here and uh, give a brief uh, overview and anyone can uh, jump in uh, as we go um so sri lanka so as you know uh, it's a small island in the indian ocean and we call it the teardrop of the indian ocean uh, because of the shape some call it a mango uh so it it has a rich history uh, going way back uh, even before like 2500 3000 years ago and uh, we got um buddhism from india uh, in very early uh, like 2200 years ago and it it molded uh, the culture around buddhism uh, and also uh, there was a there was a big local community of uh, hindu uh, tamils uh, in the northern parts of sri lanka and uh, that also brought like a rich a contribution to our culture and um after like uh thousands of years uh the, the, when the uh, europeans were explore, ex- exploring uh, spices they came to sri lanka first the dutch came to sri lanka um uh, sorry uh, portuguese actually portuguese came to sri lanka in 1500s and then dutch came and then in 1700s late 1700s uh british came uh, and colonized the country and uh so during the british rule uh we started growing tea rubber and uh, other like uh, commercial spices as well so then uh it became a very uh, big part of our economy and we got the independence from british in 1948 uh then uh became a sovereign government and uh, democracy and uh, we have a president and a uh, prime minister and the uh, uh cabinet and all the ministers in the parliament so uh, it's a democratic system and about the economy uh as i said before it's more like uh farming uh an agriculture based uh, mostly and then we have a textile industry that uh, boomed uh after inter- after the introduction of uh, free economy in uh, 1977 um then uh in 70s uh it started a, a conflict 
between uh, the local ethnic groups, uh, majority is Sinhalese, and then uh, the Tamils. Uh, so th there was a, a terrorist group, uh, and, and there was the clash between them and the government forces for like 30 years, and it ended in 2009. Uh, then, uh, like being a, an island country, it's a hotspot tourist destination. Uh, so uh, tourism is also a very big part of our economy. Uh, and after this uh, whole war thing ended, uh, the country kind of got a boom in economy uh, uh, and the developments. And then uh, it kind of like heavily depended on this uh, tourism and uh, some some of the exports and also remittances from uh, from the workers. So there's a very big labor worker force in Middle East providing labor for like construction jobs and uh, helping in the houses and uh, take caring of uh, elderly people. So those kind of jobs and also textile jobs. Uh, so people, there's a very big labor uh, contribution to the economy from those workers uh, working in Middle East and also uh, from the workers that are in other countries and renting uh, their income. Um, then very recently, so uh, in 2019, there was a big uh, bombing campaign in the on the Easter day um, so it hit this uh, tourism sector very badly so uh, so that's the first domino to fall and then the COVID came and uh, rest is history I think we are in the process of uh, the history being made so we can talk more about it uh, later and uh, I might have missed many things and uh, if Others can jump in and uh, contribute. That would be great. So uh, I uh, I read this book called uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's by this guy called John Perkins, who says he used to be a CIA plant. And uh, something about the book is, I think, what's playing out in Sri Lanka, right? I mean, so the book talks about how an empire goes to dominate a different country and in the case of Sri Lanka it's so that uh, the government went into debt to the Chinese and they pitched all these big infra projects that they said would bring in the revenue and then the projects were too big and the debts could never be repaid and because of that the country just uh, sunk into a crisis because it did not have enough foreign exchange to repay the debt nor did it have enough money coming in to service the debt and then the spiral just started and the central bank imposed capital controls so they prevented uh, people from taking their money out that was how they did that initial first response to a crisis is to use capital controls and this is where i think bitcoin saved the day because the people they were getting remittances from uh, other parts of the world and they just switched to usdt so you know nothing goes through the central bank now what do you do? Now you don't have any option but to just keep continuing on the debt spiral and impose more and more capital controls and 
you know, they're just jokes of the economy. And the end point, I guess, is where we are at today. So it's it's kind of like the whole economic hitman thing. Uh, so if that model holds true, then what's going to happen is that some country, maybe it's China, maybe it's, I don't know, someone else, they just come in and say, we are going to forgive all your debts, but in return, give us these mining licenses, give us these oil licenses, give us free access to your port, or, you know, some quid pro quo deal, and they're just going to loot the country, and they're just going to forgive the debt, and then the cycle repeats. So I, I think that's pretty much what's happening in Sri Lanka today. That's and, my take on it. And the uh, Sri Lanka has already had to give up its its biggest port to China. No, that happened al- already a while back. I recall. Am I wrong or right? Yeah, you're right. So it's it's more like a debt trap kind of thing. Uh, they build this uh, big port uh, in the southern part of the country, and um, it was the project was too big, and also the infrastructure uh, around the port area. Uh, it was like four lane highways for like a couple of cars, something like that. So it, it was a very like um, unnecessary project, but uh, the government did. So it, it, this is like during this uh, boom era, I would say like a, it kind of looks like a fake boom um, because the GDP grew a lot, but most of those GDP growth is government spending on these uh, infrastructure projects uh, funded by uh, like foreign like uh, loans, uh, mostly from China, and it's uh, it expanded the infrastructure for like um, we had a couple of highways built, uh, roads expanded, and uh, on top of that, uh, these unnecessary like. Uh, empty projects like this port and uh, there's a airport build uh, in the southern part as well so it's um, it expanded the government uh, balance sheet by like fake numbers but uh, the country ran into a lot of debt because of that and uh one the first thing uh uh of these uh, projects to f- kind of fail was the uh port project and uh, uh country couldn't pay out uh or the service the debt and uh you have to give the port and uh, some land surrounding it uh f- as a lease to the chinese government uh for 99 years so that's some like unfortunate things. They're one of the first unfortunate things happening. I think there will be more uh, because, um, as Kashyap said, uh, people uh, relied on remittances and country relied on remittances for dollar inflows. And um, yeah, after 2019, the tourism industry went to zero. Uh, but like it was, it was rising during the end of uh, 2019. But then the COVID hit uh, in 2020. Then all the tourism uh, money 
kind of vanished. Uh, it's like tourism is like 5% of the GDP. Uh, it's like the whole GDP. So it's a very larger part uh, as a uh, percentage of total dollar inflows. So when you stop that spigot of dollars, uh, you kind of uh, stops and the bigger, the biggest part of the dollar inflows. So uh, that that was the uh, that was the first thing in this series of dominoes uh, that created the created, uh, because government then couldn't service the debt or pay for the uh, imports and then uh, ran into these capital controls. They pegged uh, the rupee artificially and kept the uh, interest uh, the, the exchange rate fixed artificially for a very long time. And then once they couldn't handle anymore, it went, uh, it dropped like a rock, this exchange rate. So the, all the purchasing power of these people went like 25% down within like a night. So it's, it was very scary to see those uh, graphs uh, playing out during fast few few months. Um, yeah, anything to add, uh, Praveen or Stefan, maybe Paco? Yeah, I, I just want to say, um, I, I agree with how you guys have phrased it. Uh, I think what, what has bothered me about the takes about Sri Lanka recently on Twitter, have, they've always been like really simple and like, it's just like people projecting their worldview onto what's happening. So it, they'll always be like, oh, you know, it's the, the WEF uh, fertilizer ban did all of this or um, whatever. Like, you know, it's the bad government. Like, like all of that is true. But I think you guys explained what the actual cause of it was, which goes like back a lot, much longer with like, which is the story of all the countries, right? Like taking on too much debt. Uh, but, uh, yeah, taking on too much debt, bad monetary policy basically and then and then like the 2020 was the triggers but that's not necessarily um that's not necessarily the root cause um and i think another trigger for Sri Lanka was also i don't know how, like the percentage of this trigger compared to the other ones was like so the, Sri Lanka's main um ways of getting usd was like you guys said remittances uh, tourism and exports, and one of the main exports is tea. And I think something like twenty percent of the exports of tea goes to either Ukraine and Russia. So I think that also was a hit. Um, yeah, that's that's all I wanted to add. Oh, and the other thing was Sri Lanka has always had currency uh, controls, so like they've been tightening it up, but like they've always had it. So that's one challenge for because I, I was talking to my cousin uh, a while ago before all this trying to get into bitcoin and the trouble he was having was basically buying it because <clears throat> because they have such tight currency controls um he was saying that the, basically the best way the one of the only ways to buy bitcoin uh was through local exchanges and then there was a 25 percent at the time there's a 25 percent markup fee uh to buy bitcoin through like a local exchange like a peer-to-peer -peer local then through like a centralized exchange so he ended up getting his hands on usd but um yeah the on-ramps was a challenge for him at the time 
interesting that nobody really has mentioned what uh, I've been seeing most of the commentary being on Sri Lanka that there was uh, some agricultural reform causing all the trouble but it it seems like maybe that was a minor part of the problem or just a s- small piece is that correct? yeah I, yeah I, uh, I can jump in and uh, like add some more um, <laughs> info to it so uh, it's it it started uh, so the gov- when the government started these um, controls and started uh, reducing uh, the imports, the first few things they cut uh, importing was vehicles and um, luxury items. Uh, so luxury items included like, I don't know, uh, deodorants, like very this um, uh, beauty products and then handbags and those kind of stuff. And then they, I think they framed this uh, fertilizer ban uh, as a uh, green movement, but uh, it is like highly probable that they introduced this uh, fertilizer uh, control or like uh, like stopping ex- importing fertilizers altogether as a uh, dollar outflow control measurement. So uh, yeah, so that was the biggest uh, mistake that the government did. Uh, during this uh, dollar crisis uh, started like uh, at the very early in the uh, pandemic. So they cut this whole uh, fertilizer import and uh, told the farmers to go organic overnight. So it is a very shocking thing. And um, the fertilizer price went like a skyrocket because I also work in this uh, agriculture field. Uh, I have a <laughs> pineapple field, a small one, uh, but the for, the fertilizer for that like uh, go went like fourfold and uh, we couldn't find like nitrogen uh, fertilizers. Uh, so that's, that's for like fruit, but our main uh, staple, which is rice, so farmers couldn't like uh, add add fertilizers to their crops, and uh, uh, also main export uh, agricultural product is tea. So they couldn't uh, they couldn't get the usual yield as well. So all everything uh, every every type of crops gave a, a low yield as expected. So we had to import rice and uh, we had to uh, blow the uh, blow the, we have to bear the blow of uh, reducing the tea export uh, income as well so um, it, it kind of like started this vicious circle kind of thing and um, yeah uh, Lucas yeah you're right at, like the during the past uh, few months uh, the main thing uh, that that uh, made this uprising of people was this fertilizer ban because that caused uh, people uh, to like starve. Like right now, people some people even don't eat like three meals a day. They they uh, satisfy themselves with two or maybe one. 
So it's like a really uh, yeah. food, food crisis. So yeah, yeah. So Stefan, uh, if you can add some more, yeah. Yeah, sure. So I think there's obviously a few factors, right? I think Praveen makes a fair point that there's a range of things that went wrong in Sri Lanka. I think it's fair to say that the government and the people, in, a, in some sense, were living beyond their means because they had low taxes, but also very high government expenditure relative to their revenue. And so they would basically, what's the only way that works out? Well, you just have an increase in government debt. And so if you look at the recent government debt in Sri Lanka, the government debt has shot up a lot in recent years. So my interpretation of it, and you know, I'm open to seeing what everyone else's interpretation of it is, but I think it's that Sri Lanka was trying to really grow quickly and yeah, the tourism was going well. And, you know, to the point about rice, Sri Lanka was a net exporter of rice. But then after this whole fertilizer ban, they became a net importer of rice and rice is obviously a staple food for Sri Lankans. So it's obviously something most Sri Lankans are eating a lot of. And so then we saw all these sorts of things as well. There were price controls put on rice in the country. So these are a few examples of what was going wrong. Of course, there was corruption. There were uh, various projects and, you know, an airport and I think a stadium and some other things that were being built as a, let's say, a namesake or a legacy thing for various, you know, politicians and um, people. And, you know, there were even question marks about who's getting the contracts for things like the nice roads or whatever that's getting built out. So I think all of these things combined with the fact that they went into, you know, they did these lockdowns and there were so many businesses that were really struggling because they couldn't run. So, I mean, I have family members who had their businesses get wrecked by lockdowns and stopping the tourism effectively. So I think those are a few things I would throw in or add, at least from my point of view. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah. And I think the other point I would just add for people who are outside of Sri Lanka and this is something I've noticed as well. When I go into Sri Lanka, it's, you know, trying to get foreign currency is actually just a bit, it's just a bit harder, like to get foreign currency or to have like foreign currency easily into your, in your bank account. It's not so easy compared to those of us who are in, who are coming from the Western world where we can sort of have these foreign currency accounts and easily flip between in Sri Lanka. It's, it's, it's just not that easy. So, you know, that's probably a few things I would add. Thank you. And about what's what's the status on the ground now um so somebody mentioned that the uh the currency dropped by 25 percent. i guess that's to the dollar has it dropped more uh you mentioned that people are in, having a tr trouble to put food on their table we saw the big demonstrations a couple of weeks ago uh has that calm down or is it still going on but it's being underreported what's the what's the status right now yeah status is um so uh, as you saw uh on tv or on youtube or social media this big public uprising against the current or the previous government um started uh, early this year and um it it hit uh to a very big strong point a few weeks ago and uh, this demonstrated demanded the resignation of uh, everyone uh, in the government uh, like the the top uh, president prime minister and uh, everyone in the government uh, but uh, the responsibility the responsibility of this crisis um, uh, people put 
uh, on the hands of uh, Raja Paxis, uh, who was who, who were the uh, the family of this uh, elite uh, politicians who ran the country. Uh, so Mahinda Raja Paksa was the president from uh, like mid twenty uh, mid two thousands uh, to towards. Uh, uh, 2015, I guess, and then uh, they uh, he ended up losing his presidency, and then uh, there was an, another government uh, opposition became to power into uh, 2015 or 16, and then uh, this Easter bombing happened, and uh, people again uh, voted for Raja Paksa. Uh, who was the brother of the previous president, and he was he came to power in 2019, I think, uh, and uh, so the power of the country or, or the the presidency went back to this uh, Rajapaksha family, who um, had this label of uh, creating a legacy uh, for themselves and their family members. So. <clears throat> uh, there was corruption and like m most of the government projects uh, were handled by these uh, family members and then uh, also they had like very close connection with uh, Chinese uh, projects as well. And um, so the, these demonstrations demanded the resignation of uh, the prime minister who was the previous president and uh, pr uh, president as well and prime minister kind of uh, resigned and gave the power, uh, gave the position to the, uh, uh, to one of the previous uh, politicians as well. But people accused them to be a cabal uh, altogether and working uh, together, uh, even though the people demanding um, a change. Uh, and then uh, the demonstrators was, was, weren't happy. Uh, because the president was still in power and uh, he has a very close connection with the military and people were saying this he was using the military power to oppress people and uh, expand the government um, expand the military into the government so and uh, protest was so bad and he had to leave the country and then uh, he had this uh, uh, previous like veteran like very experienced politician uh, or the previous uh, prime minister as the interim president or the like the temporary president and uh, parliament voted for this guy to be the next uh, next president who uh, will be uh, in the seat for the for the rest of the time uh, of the previous president's time and um, as soon as he came to power, he used the military to break up all these protesters, uh, protest going on uh, in these uh, public areas and cracking down on uh, protesters right now. So, uh, like, <clears throat> people went from frying pan, <laughs> frying pan to the fire. Uh, there's no there's not been any change yeah yeah is this the guy who banned uh, social media he said uh, you can't use twitter on uh, uh, the regular uh, internet service providers aren't supposed to allow twitter or something like that right 
and then yes. you have to use a VPN and yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media bans are oh, yeah. like rampant during past few years because first uh, during those uh, um, bombings uh, on Easter, like right after that, like people were like targeting some Muslim communities, and uh, that there they introduced a ban for the first time, and then uh, this banning social media. Uh, kind of became a tool for the politicians to control the narratives and uh, control the, uh, the the dialogue of people. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a very uh, tried and true method that we're seeing in the West too, basically. I think the first, I remember making, setting up VPNs for some of my cousins in Sri Lanka during the, after the bombing. So I think they, they're like, you know, we need the social media ban for um, safety, this current emergency, and then they just kept using it over and over again, right? Um, w- one thing I want to talk about, the president and prime minister thing, that's been weird. Um, so the president was the Rajapaksha, um, prime minister was Ranil Vikramasinghe, whatever. He So Ranil was the guy that wrote that the WEF article that people were sharing that was been taken down by the WEF. So I don't really, like, basically... Even when the prote- everybody was cheering the protest on, I was like, you know, I don't understand how this is going to change anything because it doesn't fix any of the underlying problems. And then some other corrupt politician just takes over, which is exactly what happened. So the president fled and then the WEF guy, ran it. now he's the president and now he's cracking down. So like basically literally nothing has changed. Um, and the, the thing about the funny thing about the president was he had, he actually lived most of his life in California. Well, not most of his life a lot of his adult life in California. And then he, he had to renounce his American citizenship to become president. So I'm wondering, I, I don't know where he can live now, basically. Because <laughs> he, uh, but yeah, sorry, that was a lot of stuff. But yeah, I, like, has anything really changed? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I, it seems like the entire government is corrupt or the people just being like, you know, just scrap the whole thing because it went from, like you said, from out of the frying pan into the fire. Okay, uh, let's let's not um, let's not talk uh, more uh, Sri Lanka only right now. I think we'll embed it more in the Bitcoin conversation as well. I just want to have one uh, last thing from Paco. Paco, did you notice things were starting to uh, heat up when you were there? It wasn't long ago when when you were traveling the country. No? So I got to, when I was there, the basic thing was when I was converting my Bitcoin to cash. Uh, and uh, there was a there was a different price rate that was being used. Like if you, let's say you have US dollars, they will give you 200 uh, Lankan rupees. But if you had it, uh, if you go to the market, it is at 260. It's just like more than, it was already getting to 260, 300. If you have a USDT, you'll get a better price. And then I remember I went for my morning runs in Candy and in Gaul. And I used to see this early morning. There are people queued up and all of them are just there waiting for petrol. And this is what I saw with Shanaka too in Colombo, that people are just queued up for petrol. And then there were light cuts happening. I remember uh, with the community, we were there. Me and Kasha, we were together. And uh, there were uh, electricity cuts happening. So he was telling me, my friend uh, Nisal, he was like, hey, we can't even work now because there are electricity cuts happening. And like we have to plan our... So their life schedule has changed 
was changing like you you will be awake when there is electricity and like so it is it was kind of getting messed up there too but but the people like you things start getting expensive you start feeling it but the people just keep moving on there they keep pushing they keep pushing they always have a smile down there this is what i got connected with and i was like it is like people don't really understand uh, or don't need really have this need to understand the macroeconomics running around and kashyap has always was a really great filter or a really great source of information with what kashyap was sharing about economics and the way he jotted down those points and just shared with me like hey this is how the country is working now this is the next step that's going to happen this is the restructuring will happen as so with kashyap being there and with learning how the seeing with your own eyes that the the things are deteriorating and i just started feeling for about india then how would it happen in india on a bigger grander scale like they are just doing it like so yeah this was my uh, take on it people were doing uh, as business as usual uh, even though the prices are going high um but since our like dollar reserves were deteriorating because because of like uh, our income went down during the covid and after the bombings so uh, government was like very uh, careless about spending our dollar reserves and gold reserves so they just uh, drained our reserves uh, for uh, these essential imports uh, and as soon as we run out of money uh, even though inside of the country we have rupees because the government have printed like a trillions of rupees during past two years uh, we don't have any dollars so we couldn't get the essentials or like medicines and uh, right now it's the fuel that is uh, causing all these troubles so uh, people don't have fuel and that is that like that is the blood of the society right like the uh, country and uh, you cannot run anything without fuel and energy and uh, sri lanka right now is facing a very severe fuel crisis um that uh that has caused like people to stay for days in these queues these lines near uh, these uh, fuel stations and people started dying during like while they are in in the line because like some people are weak and have heart attack and have not had any food for like days and that that is kind of the tipping point of the social uh, the society to like go fully on uh, these politicians and cause this uh, massive riot during fast few weeks and uh, when kash uh, when paco was there he could already see these lines forming and it started getting worse and worse now people don't have fuel now uh, the government has introduced this fuel pass like an online qr code based thing uh so that you can like get the fuel ration uh for your week uh from the nearest uh, fuel station and everything on a database right now so people cannot cheat so it's becoming like more like severe for everyday people and uh more like dystopian in terms of uh, the freedoms of people
Yeah, it's like uh, you know the former uh, Soviet Union. You used to have these bread lines. It used to be a big uh, picture back in the day that people queued up to get their daily ration of bread. And with fuel now, it's kind of like that. And you just uh, made me realize uh, something I heard a banker say that four or five years back or around that time, you used to have ATMs in your country, especially in all the tourist areas, where you could get physical uh, dollar bills, right? Mm. And that was the kind of situation. Like, I mean, can you just imagine going from a place where you can get physical dollar bills anytime you want through an ATM to not having dollars even for uh, gas cylinders or for fuel? Like, it's uh, it's the, the scale of mismanagement is just it's just mind-boggling, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. um, so it's clear. It's been uh, many years of mismanagement of the economy by the political class, and it's uh, accelerated to a, a point where Sri Lanka is today uh, a se- severe situation for the country and for the people, and it's continuing to be uh, really difficult. Um, in the build-up, let's let's talk a bit about Bitcoin here uh, and. It, where Bitcoin has been up until this point. Um, in the build-up until this situation, um, what has been the um, say adoption and the work to bring Bitcoin to the people in Sri Lanka? My understanding from what you said earlier, SL, is that um, it's been very much crypto, very crypto groups that are... Uh, very strong and vibrant, but but actual focus on the real solution uh, and people not getting you know ripped off by all the different crypto scams and uh, and just trying to make it by by trading and that stuff. But the real solution, Bitcoin, um, or one of the real solutions, right? Um, how has how has the work been? Been there? Um, has there been a vibrant Bitcoin community earlier? It sounds like you know you're starting a bit from scratch, SL. Um, and before you, before before, I, I'd suggest that you start, SL. But before we do that, I just want to welcome Jaime. Jaime is one of the organizers of Global Bitcoin Fest. We're a bigger crew behind, but uh, Jaime is El Salvadorian, Canadian expat after all the difficulties uh, they had in El Salvador. Uh, so I, I'm sure he can relate to some of the stories here uh, from what he's heard from his parents. Welcome, Climate. Hey, Lucas. Uh, yeah, thank you for uh, bringing me up on stage. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's super interesting learning about um, what's going on in, in Sri Lanka, just given the, the recent uh, turmoil in the country. And so, yeah, just happy to uh, contribute wherever I can and learn about uh, you guys. So I'll just uh, be uh, quietly participating and win uh, if I need to. But uh, yeah, good job, you guys. Thanks. I'm a SL. Do you want to start this uh, Bitcoin? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so as I said, like my journey started very recently, and um, after like going into these social media groups, I realized that there are like og bitcoiners and uh, like hardcore bitcoiners so at least people who are uh, trusting and uh, has realized uh, the 
role of Bitcoin in economy. And uh, I have connected with uh, a few of them and they have been stacking sets from like very early, even I found one like from 2012 as well. And uh, yeah, they ha they are, there is a Bitcoin stacking um, like individuals scattered across the country, but they're not like connected as a, a community, like a Bitcoin community. Uh, but there, there are strong like crypto communities uh, or groups uh, in social medias. That's how I f first like got interacted with them. Um, uh, and this, in these groups also you can identify like people who are not shitcoining but focusing on Bitcoin or like Bitcoin plus some ETH, something like that. So even in these groups you can see those kind of things, uh, those kind of people and um, I can, uh, so I was able to like get in touch with uh, a few uh, and that's how like I started this uh, like educate education uh, platform or like a, writing uh, articles and doing uh, YouTube videos uh, like during last two years. Uh, but this uh, these groups uh, existed uh, way before that, even from like 2017, I see uh, some groups are there. And this peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin uh, like trading exi has existed uh, in 2015, 2014 from from those years as well. Because when you go to localbitcoins.com, um, there are profiles in Sri Lanka who has a very uh, big number of peer-to-peer uh, -peer trades and. Uh, who are in the on the platform from 2015 so the, the local bitcoins is one of the sites that i interacted with people who um uh sold bitcoins but right now binance and uh right uh peer-to-peer -peer exchanges are the uh on ramps for people to buy bitcoin they mostly uh by USDT and then some people convert into uh, Bitcoins but uh, most of them like 98% of them are like shit going to shit coins and uh, trading so it, it, the noise is really big right now and because like people the purchasing power of people like de degrading and they are kind of drawn into these uh, shit coin scams and like uh, even like uh, there are like yield farming things going on in crazy projects and people just trying to uh, earn few more bucks and they they don't realize the the whole picture so it is like really sad to see but uh Paco did a really good job like kickstarting these bitcoin only meetups and trying to educate people um during his visit and uh, it, that momentum kind of like uh, disappeared, dissipated during the chaos of last few weeks. But um, I think going forward, 
uh, with some toxicity, we might be able to um, get a vibrant Bitcoin-only community there. Yes, yes. Uh, I have a question to Stefan. Stefan has been, you. my understanding, you've been in Bitcoin quite a long time, maybe the longest out of everybody here, and you, you have some family in Sri Lanka. What have you seen during that time in Sri Lanka? Do you have any um, Sri Lanka-specific you know, stories or things that you've observed uh, during this time? So, as, yeah, so for me, I, I've spent most of my life in Australia, being honest, right? And so I've occasionally gone back to Sri Lanka. And in recent years, I've been back a couple times. So my most recent time actually was in June. Um, but in terms of when I'm talking to people who are in Sri Lanka or talking to, let's say, cousins and things or to people in Sri Lanka, the sense I get is that some of them are in a position where they can't save for the long term. And because of the volatility, that just makes it hard. So I think that's just kind of just a sort of a brutal reality of it uh, if your income is that low. Um, the other part of it is there might be some people who are, I, I, at least, from when I talk to Sri Lankans, it seems like people are a bit more, let's say, cagey about Bitcoin because it might be seen like, oh, it's a bit not, you know, it's not like fully accepted. And even if it's not illegal, it's just kind of seen, like there might be people who just have Bitcoin but don't really say anything about it. Um, but that I, in truth, I don't have a lot of exposure to a lot of Sri Lankans. I mean, I'm talking here just to kind of family or maybe a few friends here and there or connections from them. Uh, that's kind of the sense of it. But yeah, my understanding is mainly Binance and Paxful are the main peer-to-peer -peer exchanges. I know in terms of the, let's say, the cat, the premium, if you were, and I, I checked this out as well last year, the Binance peer-to-peer -peer premium for selling Bitcoin to LKR, you got something like a 15% premium if you were selling Bitcoin. So, you know, pretty, pretty decent premium there in terms of selling peer-to-peer. -peer. That was in December last year. Last I looked, maybe a month or so ago, I think it's it's hovering something like six percent. Uh, so that's that's probably the all I can share there. Thank you. Okay, I think we're uh, we're past uh, the uh, structured parts with the history and about the country and so on. So let's just dive into Bitcoin and what's going on and whatever you guys think is. Um, most important that's happening and you know please balance between each other as well um uh, yeah where, where do you want to start i i have a question for like some of the some of like sl bitcoiners so so do you guys think like bitcoin could be a solution like a solution to like the situation because like so the thing with Sri Lanka is like the internal economy is like you know it's pretty good it's like it was it was it, it was a like a pretty good well-to-do country it the main problem is um, that they don't have U.S. dollars. So, like, like where do you think this goes? Where do you guys think this goes? Could do you think like dollarization would be a thing, or like do you think I I think like Bitcoin becoming a not like a local currency would be cool, but like I don't know if that's a viable path forward. And I think the main thing is Sri Lanka doesn't have energy. So, like, I I, I just think like a country like Sri Lanka that doesn't have energy like bitcoin again then they don't have full control of their currency right i don't know what do you guys think about that path forward yeah i think like the money printing plays a big role here because like 
people say most of the people uh, in Sri Lanka like they earn their heart like money every day and like um, they save a portion of that uh, in a bank and this rate can be four percent can be five percent or maybe two percent but you know the inflation is very high uh, related to that and also uh, during the last few years we saw like people or the government like printing like crazy and um, people don't realize that by printing money they just uh, dilute your purchasing power they they uh, they kind of uh, destroy the days you work to earn the, uh, those those money and during like uh, in the in the early stage of this crisis when the government like floated the rupee it you know, like dropped the rate like 25% as i said before you know, in a day and it's like a, a dropping a rock and people's like uh, like years of working just vanished like that and uh, it took about like so in 2010 uh, the dollar rate was like 100 rupees and uh, to be to double that rate it took like 10 years but to go from like 200 to 400 uh, it took only like few months uh, so like now it's like in 350s um, uh, like stabilizing but you like people like people get the feeling that you cannot save in rupees and um, the answer is bitcoin because the labor uh, the, the the fruits of your labor should be in the hardest money possible right so uh, people cannot like most of people cannot uh, get gold uh, in sri lanka because like the people like save like thousand uh, thousand rupees this month two thousand rupees next month like most of the people but uh, in in the in the middle uh like in the middle class families and like rich people they have the access to capital and they have access to land and uh, gold and that's how they like secure their purchasing power but like the the most of the people i'm talking about the the plebs uh they they just save their uh, earnings as a, like a future um, for like savings for their kids or, or for themselves. They just take part of their income and put it in the bank. But uh, people purchasing power, people don't see uh, it happening because it takes a long time to see this like exponential decrease of your purchasing power uh, by money printing and now they they kind of feel uh, what's going on and what is what kind of causes all these problems and they we should like show them the path uh, to save uh, or like path to use bitcoin as a savings technology so that yeah. that is pretty easily be done i think um so anyone had any comments yeah, just yeah, something. So, oh, you yeah, got right. Okay, so yeah, so like uh, what we've seen in other countries is that uh, pretty much the local currency goes out of use and people just adopt the dollar standard. 
And as that catches on, you know, like hopefully you should have someone who's tech savvy in the government who just does what El Salvador did and say we are anyway on the dollar standard, may as well adopt Bitcoin and, you know, try to become the next financial center. So I, I think uh, the end game here is that the Lankan rupee goes out of use and you either move to a like uh, it either gets worse and worse and then the LKR goes out of use because you know, no one trusts it anymore or something changes and the country just snaps and they are up the dollar and then they become a financial center. And, you know, that's kind of my hope. And once that happens, then you will see Bitcoin adoption grow because it's inevitable, right? Once you are on a dollar standard, the next step is the Bitcoin standard. Yeah, sure. I think just to add to that as well, what we saw, and so some people uh, were sharing this on Twitter in recent months as well, there was a recent foreign currency restriction that the government put out. And I believe this was in May off the top of my head. And I think they lowered the limit of USD foreign currency that you may hold. I think they lowered it. Someone correct me if I got the numbers wrong, but I believe they went from $15,000 down to $10,000. So in other words, they're making it harder and harder for people who want to hold USD in their Sri Lankan bank accounts. Now, of course, you could be holding physical USD cash, but that's harder to come by. So yeah, and remember, the, the context here is just in the space of probably under a year or like maybe even in a few months, the rate in terms of USD LKR, it was about 200. So one US dollar got you 200 rupees in, let's say, November or December of last year. And then as we speak today, it's something like 360 LKR. So if you can imagine, if you were a Sri Lankan and you were saving and you had, you know, 100,000 rupees, the purchasing power of that is now something like, you know, 60, what equivalent to like maybe 60,000 or 55,000 rupees. So it's just brutal if you're trying to save in rupees. Um, but at the same time, this kind of stopping you from holding too many USD. So these are all factors that people have to think about. Of course, we want people to hold Bitcoin. I think it's just how do we get that message to them? And maybe in some sense, the challenge is how do we get people to be able to earn Bitcoin? So, you know, those are a few ideas. Yeah, I, I agree with that last one the most because I think other than like people like learning about Bitcoin, I think the biggest thing is like, how do you get Bitcoin into the country? Because like, again, last time I talked to my cousin, like he wanted to buy Bitcoin, but you can only buy it like basically locally. Um, and there was a big markup. I don't know if that markup is lower now, but um, you know, because they don't have dollars, you can't just buy it from a outside exchange. So like if, if there was going to be like a, more bitcoin adoption i would have to think that like more people would need to get paid in bitcoin or like export in bitcoin but so maybe i think Kasha was suggesting that it it's not direct like that maybe basically dollar adoption needs to come first so then they can actually because he's right if you have um you know if the lkr goes away and it's us dollars is the currency then uh on ramps to bitcoin would be much easier so LKR is the Sri Lankan rupiah. Rupee. Yeah. Rupee. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have Pravi Karu just joined on the ground in Sri Lanka. Um, is that correct, Pravi? Yes, yes, yes. Hi, sorry guys. I got a little held up with an urgent professional uh, meeting. Yeah, so so you coming at the exact right time. We've covered a lot about Bitcoin in Sri Lanka. Um in, in recent history. And now we're talking about how Bitcoin could be helpful 
to people in this, this current situation. So could you just introduce a bit more about yourself? And maybe uh, you could also, after sure. that, kick it off with a, a little bit of your thoughts and what you're doing in Sri Lanka to help people with Bitcoin. Sure, sure. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm actually a legal professional. I'm an attorney at law. So my main background is legal. The IT and uh, this all Bitcoin, I'm relatively, I'm sure, new to most of you guys. So I got uh, involved about uh, two years back with Bitcoin journey. Where I got to know about this is actually through a couple of my friends. And I was uh, looking at something where, in one way, where I would say uh, international platform to move with our funds because there are so many restrictions and obviously Sri Lankan currency was depreciating at a rate. Now we all are experiencing uh, that scenario. Now, uh, my background, as I said, it's if uh, in the legal field, I see the blocks we are facing now with the central banks and the current banking system. At the moment, Sri Lankan system is not uh, favorable for the Bitcoin system as of now. So this is my background. You can share your thoughts on Bitcoin and Sri Lanka today. Yes, yes. In that, in that actually, what I see is there's huge opportunity in Sri Lanka currently. Because now the rupee is going for a six, right? It has already gone for a six. Within about uh, three three months period, we have we we, we saw double the double the value. dollar has easily gone double. Now it was in uh, rupee terms. It was about uh, 180 rupees uh, in uh, January December area, and now it goes around 360-370. So with this, there is a massive effect on all businesses and serious inflation. Mainly because now we can't get down the essentials. Now if it if this is where Bitcoin kicks in. If we adapted, or even now, if we get start using Bitcoin as an international modus of payment, we can solve many. Un, uh, I mean, uh, now the forex is difficult to get, first, due to various reasons. We are not a manufacturing nation. In this way, it's it's one avenue to get the essentials to Sri Lanka. And I see another way. Now, in Sri Lanka, the most of businesses, if we actually look at almost all high-end businesses, none st still accept bit, uh, Bitcoin. We have we have small-scale, uh, I mean, single restaurants or merchants who accept Bitcoins. I think Paco would know better than me because he went through the entire tour on Bitcoin. But if you look at major restaurants or major supermarket chains, banks of course out of the story even uh, vehicle there are some vehicle importers have started uh, some luxury uh, luxury uh, some some uh, some uh, luxury uh, luxury watch uh, stores have started but still no major dealers but let's say let's say uh, now i have some people who are very close to the big uh, recall this uh, restaurant chains now they can start accepting Bitcoins. If, if they accept Bitcoin, that will give a massive publicity 
and people start adapting i think what we really need is adapt adaptation at the moment interesting so so you're saying that people are already starting to use it on the ground in stores the bigger change that absolutely, i'm thinking absolutely. about absolutely yes there are there are cars there are cars to be purchased there are watches to be purchased on bitcoin legal though can cuz many that have capital controls also make it illegal to see payment in any other way uh, well well that is that is that, that that is that is a point i would uh, like pinpoint now in terms of the act we are not allowed to use foreign currencies but bitcoin my interpretation i would interpret it it doesn't come under that definition so we are not banned from using it it's like this now if you are making something an offense something wrong you have to make it by way of an act someone has to put an enact an act to say that doing this is wrong and if you do this you will be punished that is where offense is created in terms of sri lankan act i'd say bitcoin is not illegal it has not made illegal hence it is not illegal but it doesn't give validity because it has not been recognized so the current position is it's neither illegal nor legal and i i will comment on one thing and so this is like a gray area of the of the legal system so it hasn't defined any uh, legal precedent uh, for a bitcoin Absolutely. transaction so that's why that's how people are able to use these like peer to peer uh, sites or on ramps to get on uh, bitcoin uh, and also usdt because uh, there's no uh, clause in any acts uh, that declares bitcoin as an a bitcoin or any other crypto asset as a uh, exactly. illegal exactly. transaction uh, yes. so yeah so this this is a great area obviously like uh, as we seen uh, in china and other countries uh, government can introduce some uh, like cracking down on these cryptos uh, or bitcoin or usdt by introducing a new law that is that's, that is a possibility but on the current law uh, yeah no no not not clearly defined so it is a great area Correct. yeah it is uh, it is the same in india actually like until the start of this financial year you could technically accept payments in bitcoin they didn't declare it illegal although the central bank kept saying that it's not legal tender you shouldn't use it and they kept talking about 10 year jail term for bitcoin users that was the fud they were spreading in the media but you know it was just business as usual because we used that gray area and sadly that's not true anymore and i hope sri lanka doesn't face the same situation because in india it's just getting worse and worse i would like to add this now think uh, you are selling your car now i have a car i bring it to you you say yes i like your car and i say i like your car and we exchange and we walk home happily there's nothing to prevent in law that transaction that is legal transaction of course the paperwork of trans transition we have to go through provided that we do all the necessary uh, documentation there was no money involved but still valid sale in the same way i would put bitcoin you are selling your car i come with a bitcoin i say okay i'll give you the bitcoin or half a bitcoin whatever the amount uh, equal and i'll take the car you are happy i am happy
ಐ ವುಡ್ ಲುಕ್ ಎಟ್ ಇನ್ ಅ ಲೀಗಲ್ ವೇ ನಾವು ಅಟ್ ದ ಮೂಮೆಂಟ್ ಸಿನ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಡಿಕ್ಲೇರ್ಡ್ ಅನ್ಲೋಫುಲ್ ವಿ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಗೋ ಹೆಡ್ ವಿತೌಟ್ ಎನಿ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ ವಿತ್ ದಟ್ ಯಾ ಐ ಥಿಂಕ್ ಪಾಕೋ ಡಿಡ್ ದಟ್ ಡ್ಯೂರಿಂಗ್ ಹಿಸ್ ವಿಸಿಟ್ ದಿ ಹಿ ವೆಂಟ್ ಟು ಲೈಕ್ ಸಮ್ ಲೋಕಲ್ ಸ್ಟೋರ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ Uh, paid with bitcoin and uh, like you can see that uh, most of those store uh, like vendors had like binance wallet on their phone yeah. and uh, was were already like familiar with uh, like bitcoin but the problem is the binance wallet so we have to like push more for uh, like not crypto just bitcoin like thought uh, as a savings mechanism not like a a gambling tool or a gambling on ramp correct that is why i said we need some uh, big players big businesses to get involved then only the mass scale uh, adaptation will happen in sri lanka until that i don't see the mass scale adaptation happening in sri lanka is it common law uh, is it is is uh, sri lanka part of the common law system Sri Lanka has several uh, several legal systems the uh, the roman du- roman dutch law is sri lanka's common law and we also have some parts of uh, english law because uh, because of this uh, colonization during uh, british uh, and uh, portuguese and uh, dutch we uh, our legal system is a bit mixed in different areas we have different uh, uh, influence of law so we, we i would say it's a mixed system not just a common law oh, got it um and out of the stores that are now adopting is there any major chain that that has actually started doing this publicly or are they all doing it undercover and uh, not that i know any of the chains are not doing at the moment that's why i'm saying they need to we need some big chain in it okay got it kashyap uh, you also went with paco for some of those uh, uh, locations right like people accepting bitcoins so how was your uh, experience uh, on those days yeah it was pretty amazing actually because uh, even in india i haven't seen people accepting bitcoins so openly and I think the highlight was when uh, we lost our room key. We were staying at this resort uh, and we somehow lost the room key somewhere, you know, on the sand. And uh, Paco was like, uh, you know, he was like all agitated and the person was yelling at us saying, now you have to break open the door and all that. And he's like, no, chill, I'll go make a key. And then he went and he found a key maker and he made the key and he just asked the guy, would you accept Bitcoin for payment? and he said yes and he was just so blown away and i think that's the most memorable uh, bitcoin uh, trading experience there and then he got his phone fixed on bitcoin and then we got our first beer on bitcoin it was just uh, just seeing that they were willing to accept bitcoin and uh, also a lot of the people we spoke to some of them said that uh, they had been scammed before like some tourists came and said this is cryptocurrency and you know we'll show you how to accept cryptocurrency and then what happened was they ended up giving them some shitcoin and then they never trusted crypto again so this happened like uh, quite a few people told this story i think this was in ella so 
yeah uh, and after that you know then we go in there and we try to orange pill them and say no those guys were wrong that's not real crypto and bitcoin is the real deal and then you know you try to get them to accept bitcoin that that journey is just more difficult if they have been scammed before if they haven't heard of bitcoin or crypto it's actually a lot easier getting them to adopt it but the moment some shitcoiner comes in and scams them then they just shut off to the whole technology right that's that's sadly the truth yeah that is true and uh, i would also add because of uh, like this tourism um, like the sri lanka being a very hot tourist destination uh, people in those touristy areas uh, kind of naturally uh, uh, like works with the tourist who are paying with bitcoin or any other alternative paying method Uh, to facilitate those payment so they are like more open for these kind of technologies and uh, because their like livelihood depends on tourism and uh, i think paco went to these like touristy areas uh, especially in alder and i think uh, one one or two cities in uh, the down south uh, in coastal areas so people in those areas are more open to like adapt this uh, bitcoin standard i would say uh as a payment method from uh from the tourists and i think there are some uh uh like hotels and restaurants and uh lodging lodging locations uh who say like there's a board in front we accept bitcoin so that that should like tell you like there is um there is some like grassroots Uh, like expansion of of bitcoin as a payment method uh, in these uh, local communities and uh, yeah that's my two cents and uh, yeah anything to add uh, praveen or oh, uh, pravi you are like as a local you are connected with other bitcoiners as well right uh, so uh, how do you guys um, like buy bitcoin how do how do you guys uh, stack sats Um, well, 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 well. To be frank, uh, there are communities, but uh, only Bitcoin communities I have not come across yet. Because yes, I uh, yes, I, I, I clarified that uh, because there are like uh, early Bitcoiners, but they are like only like isolated individuals. But uh, as a groups, I only seen like crypto trading or crypto. uh educational groups but uh, bitcoin only groups i've never seen now, that for example, that's now we have yeah go ahead Ravi. we have this uh, we have this i think one of the major major groups in sri lanka is uh, kalambu crypto club and i think 99% of them do hold btc the bitcoin is 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 the major thing and uh, some of them they have a substantial amounts in bitcoins uh, in sri lankan context of course and but out of that uh, i think maybe even uh, one or two not even maybe one or two are like hardcore maxis i would say because almost everyone has some other uh, cryptos in their wallets and uh, group meetings and all that yes we do meet up we have about 3 uh, 4 meetups a year and in all those none of uh, we discuss mostly what will be the what will be the future for the country with the cryptocurrency situation actually in the in sri lanka 
we are yet to form a maxi group we don't have it yet Thank you. SL Thank you actually has yeah. formed that. Yeah. yeah, I would add uh, like I would add some things to Pravi's comment, and uh, yeah, there are like talks. Uh, there were talks within uh, the previous governments, uh, like politicians uh, who were like doing this big project. Uh, like they were using this uh, like buzzwords like crypto and uh, other shit coins trading platforms uh, to like um, make just buzz. Uh, I think uh, that's what uh, Pravi was like alluding to. Like there is like talks within the governments to like introduce this whole crypto thing, and uh, but there's nothing uh, Bitcoin related. So uh, that's the unfortunate Correct. thing. E- even in especially Correct. like during this currency crisis, this one shitcoin um, put articles on like uh, advertisements on local newspapers, uh, like uh, telling people to adapt their shitcoin as the legal tender. I think it's XOR or something, and it is like it appears to be a very organized. Uh, campaign because like all the major newspapers had this article going on at the same day uh, and like community like people coming into like uh, groups uh, and posting uh, those things and it was like weird to see like uh, this shit coiners comes to like uh, like victimize like whole countries uh, to to their like scams. So this is where the education, all these group meetings, group meetups, uh, things comes very handy. And uh, yeah, as Pravi mentioned, the the meetups right now are based on like full sh- full on shitcoin or like partly shitcoining and partly bitcoining. But uh, at least like I have few connections uh, that I can work with to bring a Bitcoin maxi group uh, moving forward. Yeah. Lucas, do you have any comments? Oh, oh, Pravi, if you have any comments, please go ahead. Add me to that, uh, whatever the group you are forming, please. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. (laughs) So it's a very like incipient group. So we will, we will definitely add you. Yes. Awesomeness. I suggest that we open up the floor to uh, to our listeners. Uh, there are a few that have been requesting to speak. And um, before we bring you up, I just want to say that uh, we're all about the guests here and all about Sri Lanka and Bitcoin. So uh, please uh, focus on asking a question or if you have some inside knowledge to Sri Lanka specifically of course you can share that but um, we're all about the guests uh, so feel free to come up I'll bring up Mike first and anyone else has um, a topic that we haven't touched yet um, what do you think guys um, yeah I would add uh I think Pravi also mentioned like using bitcoins as international payment method. Uh, so this has come to our like uh, notice that countries running out of like medicine and there's a medicine crisis, and um, 
because we don't have dollars so the medicine is one of the most like import items and right now there's a crisis in hospitals where we don't have like medical supplies and i and some of these um the bitcoin bitcoiner community uh in sri lanka like few people we started this bitcoin donation campaign but like people even like we were like focusing only on bitcoin people were like very hesitant to uh donate or interact with us because uh like it is like weird to uh, act anonymously in in sri lanka because like what people are asking why are anonymous why are like why I don't give your name or something like that because uh, like the privacy is one key aspect of bitcoin and uh, we uh that's a holy grail and um we we couldn't move forward as we expected but now we partnered with one of the uh uh one of the very big uh voluntary groups uh, uh like ngos in sri lanka uh in uh, it, it has a branch in us as well uh, its name is sarvode and we are trying to um get a memorandum of understanding between us and sign it and using them as the uh don donor of our funds so that they can accept our funds here and uh, contribute to their cause there and uh that's something um that we are already trying to do so that is a way uh bitcoin solves one of our problems like these uh, international uh transactions and uh, all that um hey we have mike here mike uh, requested uh, the mic hey hey nice just say something about yourself and please uh, shoot your question hey what's up thanks for letting me on stage my name is mike on the mic and my family my parents are from sri lanka but i was uh, raised in america and in the past three years i lived around one year in sri lanka so um a major thing in sri lanka is that a lot of the mothers and a lot of the fathers are overseas in dubai like on construction or working as a maid but dubai and kraken just opened up so now i think it's possible if you're in dubai to send lightning transactions but the other half is getting merchants in sri lanka to accept bitcoin but i think that could be a cool way to orange pill uh sri lanka Thanks Mike. Do you have a question as well to the guys? Um what country do you think or what city for I guess anyone in Sri Lanka? What city do you think will be the Bitcoin beach of Sri Lanka? I hope it's Ella with Bitcoin Mountain. Yeah. I think there are a few candidates. Um Ella definitely a very like very famous spot for um a bitcoin like uh, tourists and also there are a couple of uh, bitcoin accepting uh, uh, merchants there because there was a, like a funny story because <clears throat> when parko was there and he was asking okay send me some 
merchants or restaurants who accept Bitcoin. So I wasn't very familiar with uh, those vendors because they just individual vendors and they have this uh, board in front of their uh, uh, their shop and they don't post it online. So there, there's no way to know um, whether they are accepting Bitcoin or not. So what I did was I um, I searched uh, these hotels, like individual hotels, and messaged them through uh, Google Maps. You can search them in Google, and actually you can send messages uh, to their uh, to them. And I asked, "Do you accept Bitcoin? Do you accept Bitcoin?" And to my surprise, the second vendor I sent message to replied, "Yes." So that's that's how Paco got uh, like two connections in Aller um, by just uh, I just asked around and like for I just asked like four vendors and two of them said yes. So it, it's a pretty amazing to see um, that they accept Bitcoin because they know um, <clears throat> uh, know about it and also they're willing to use it. Uh, I think there's a potential in Ala and also in the, there's a potential of a Bitcoin beach in Hikadua and uh, and those areas. Yes, things are things are uh, pretty hopeful at this point. And uh, so I I started this platform um, Bitcoin Deeper, which is like the Bitcoin Island uh, kind of that the meaning is like. Uh, that Bitcoin Deep is Bitcoin Island, so that's the name of our like uh, group right now, Bitcoin Maxi Group, and we will we will be having more and more people moving forward, and I'm I'm very optimistic about it. Cool, I'll check it out next time I'm in town. Thanks for orange pilling Sri Lanka. Yay! No Thank you. Thank you. So we have um, uh, next uh, listener here to have a question. Uh, Cryptoshi.eth, not a Bitcoiner for sure. Hey, welcome. Do you have a question for the guys? Uh, hi, Lucas. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, rather than a question, I have some insights to share. So um, I'm, being in, uh, I'm from Sri Lanka. Uh, been uh, been my entire life, and I started in crypto somewhere around 2018. Um, so I have uh, I know SL Bitcoin. We I think we have chatted in our Telegram group, and I met uh, Paco and Kashyap when they were in Sri Lanka. We had a meetup as well. So um, what I want to share is like uh, when I jumped into crypto uh, BTZ way back in 2018. I can remember my first transaction. I was trying to find a vendor to buy for about two weeks because I have to buy from a complete unknown stranger because uh, there's no major groups and no major like platforms by then. But what I saw was uh, during the COVID time, the adoption started to increase in Sri Lanka and a lot of groups. And I think uh, as uh, SL Bitcoin has said, a lot of uh, shit coins started moving around rather than Bitcoin. So, and but today I think even today what I feel is like, even like I'm being in the Sri Lankan crypto space, 
working with everyone, having meetups and everything for the last uh, two and a half years. Uh, sorry, I think over three years now. Uh, what I feel, uh, still feel is 99% uh, of Sri Lankans are not uh, Bitcoin maximalist, still into shit coins, even today. Like most of the time, the biggest question I'm getting is what is the next best uh, shit coin? Um, but what I'm talking, I myself, I'm being a, a more of a shit coiner. What, what I'm understanding is uh, all these shit coins, just a little cycle, they come up, they go down. Uh, if you want to really accumulate wealth, uh, you need to start moving into uh, collecting sats. So that has been my understanding with my experience, uh, my active experience in my last three years. So uh, hopefully, I think more people will start adopt Bitcoin. Uh, currently, I'm seeing people are more adopting more stable coins due to the current situation in country. But hopefully, I'm trying. I'm also trying to educate people. Uh, on adopting bitcoins and how to create financial freedom uh, for last for last three months i've not been working i gave up my full-time job because i felt that i can spend more time on crypto learning it uh because from the wealth i have accumulated at this point so kind of so, those are the insights yes th thank you so much for sharing your story and uh i was a bit fascinated uh, seeing your profile um it it looks like a real hardcore shitcoin profile, and at the same time, <laughs> you have some like a you know you're you're almost there being a Bitcoin maxi. So just um, I mean just adjust your profile and uh, and join the group with SL and become maximalized and um, and yeah you'll be the ultimate Sri Lankan uh, uh, orange pillar. Uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah thank is, you. So is, the thing is. Yeah, yeah. CryptoG, it is good to be self-aware that you are a shitcoiner. And, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, it, yeah, yes. that's, uh, then, then you can uh, take the next step to become a non-shitcoiner. That's the um, thing you yeah. say, right? The basic maxis. It's like the difference between a shitcoiner and a bitcoiner is one bad market. That's it. Like Just one bad market fixes all those bad behaviors. <laughs> I'm sure most of us have been there, right? Yeah, true. And uh, like one more thing is, I, I like to ex explore and experiment and research. So I have, I like to learn things. So I have to put my uh, dip in all this shit and see how it works out. Yeah, that's where we all were. So yeah, Look, we, I just we have sympathy. I was there too. I think everybody has that, that story. Um, yeah, I think Brady first has we, some. First we, sh first we should, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll hand over to him in a second. Yeah. First we should coin and then, then we end up Bitcoin in the, in the end. There's no no point in swimming around too, in the shit for too long. Pravi! Yeah, yeah, look, sorry, I just want to add a small thing to um, crypto cheese, uh, what he said. You know, the reason is, in Sri Lanka, I think uh, even if you take uh, total crypto holders, not just Bitcoin, the crypto holders, I don't think even maybe 10,000, 15,000 maximum for the whole country. So uh, no, it's, gro it's growing. As I understood, it's more than 100,000. I can't exactly confirm. Uh, uh, I, was I was speaking to one of the Binance Angel and he was telling me we have this more than 100,000 accounts from Sri Lanka. That's I amazing. Think, uh, That's yeah, and there's another fast. piece. 
Yeah, another piece which was done by uh, Sandali, who is a CoinDesk uh, uh, reporter from Sri Lanka. She did a report on Sri Lanka, and there was some stat in that also. Right. So uh, what I want okay. to tell is, because of this small group, we don't have so much of maxis yet. I think we all are getting there. Got it. Thank you, Pravi. And um, we are uh, having the um, the Sri Lankans are starting to have to drop off. Uh, so we'll take the last question from DJ Satoshi. And then uh, we start winding down first with Praveen that I'll invite back up. Here. Hey, DJ Satoshi, nice to see you. Uh, please share your question. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for hosting such a great space. I appreciate you guys bringing people in from Sri Lanka because I've been wondering about how the progress is going there. Um, so that's kind of my question. Um, curious to learn, um, and I'm sorry if I missed a lot of the information already. I'll have to re-listen to the recording. But um, I'm curious about, first question is, can you please elaborate on the reasoning behind the protests that we recently saw on the news? Um, so if you can please explain the protests and how that's been going and if you see those happening further. Um, and then second, um, my question is, what do you see are the pros and the cons that uh, Sri Lankans are experiencing in terms of like Bitcoin adoption? Like, are there like, is there a lot of really, um, is there a lot of enthusiasm to learn about Bitcoin from the Sri Lankan people or are there some hardships? Um, so if you can elaborate on those kind of points, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, DJ Satoshi. I think we skipped first part of your question because we already talked extensively in the beginning about the protests and the reasons for that. Um, so if somebody wants to elaborate on uh, DJ Satoshi's second point, uh, please go ahead. And Praveen, please come up. Please come up. Don't be shy. We need your rounding up words. It's an important part of the show to hear the guests uh, share their final thoughts. I really want to hear your final thoughts. I've invited you up. Please come back. Uh, if you can. And uh, anyone wants to elaborate right. on DJ Satoshi? Right. So, uh, actually, that question is a good one. Now, one thing I see is we need education, but education will come with uh, when we have some major companies or major providers adapt Bitcoin as their payment mechanism. With that, I think serious adaptation will come to the country and that will help immensely even to Sri Lankan economy where we are right now. So, uh, the, the already, as I just got to know, there are over 100,000. I was under the impression it's about 10, 20,000 max. That was my uh, calculation with the communities I moved in. If there's about 100,000, that means we have come uh, quite a distance because our population is about 21 million. So, we will have a mass scale adaptation the moment we have some recognized businesses adapting Bitcoin. So far, we have so many places accepting Bitcoin, but most of them are individual vendors. I think this is the, this is the biggest block we have at the moment with that Port City Economic Commission and all that. Still, we are at a primitive age in respect of Bitcoin. Cool. Thank you so much, Pravi. And we'll move straight to Praveen. Praveen, uh, please share 
your thoughts from the space that we've just done and anything that you would like to leave with the audience any yeah anything that you want to say hi um yes i just want to say very interesting space i learned some um stuff um it was good i think uh i think main takeaways for me is just like you know on twitter everybody makes like obviously very simple takes and like the whole Sri Lanka situation is like not so simple what happened the last two years it goes longer back and for bitcoin i think it's really like anything else it's a two-sided marketplace so we need people to accept it but we also need ways to get bitcoin into the country so if whether that's um you know convincing people to send remittances through bitcoin um or you know some exports through bitcoin uh so whether that be you know like services like software development or uh, what are their services? Um, I just think yeah, we need both both sides to come together, and that's the only way for Bitcoin to really take off in Sri Lanka. Thank you so much, Praveen. Thank you for participating and giving uh, great input, and I really appreciated the toxicity that uh, you're helping to make sure that this is a maxi space prior to starting it. Uh, really nice to get to know you and. Um, have a good evening or day um, if you're in the U.S. Thank you. Gotta go. Bye-bye. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, maybe next, if um, uh, Kashyap, um, would you like to share your thoughts? Yeah, so I would like I would like, just like to say one thing, which is uh, we talk about Bitcoin as saving. We talk about Bitcoin as freedom. But uh, if we can learn anything from the Sri Lanka experience, it's that one, uh, Bitcoin opens you up to a whole new way of thinking. And when you see how, uh, for instance, SL Bitcoiners initiative to uh, have people donate in Bitcoin to buy medicines, when you see how Bitcoin actually helps people on the ground and you see how people are suffering on the ground, even though they have the Bitcoin, it kind of makes you think about what your Bitcoin strategy should be as a whole, not just for saving, not just for freedom from uh, other things, but also about how you should live your life. So that's just one thought that I want to put out there because that's something that I'm going through myself right now. So thanks for hosting the space and thanks to everyone for sharing their Bitcoin journey. Thank you so much, Kashyap. Very nice to meet you. So, um, Let's move on to our co-host, co-organizer, SL Bitcoiner, that is the organizer of the local Bitcoin Maxi group. Uh, thank you so much for hosting this with me. Yeah, no problem, Lucas. It is very fortunate to know you guys and like there are a lot of things to learn from you guys as like how we should move forward like uh, spreading the word uh, as a grassroots movement um, like people uh, like adopting Bitcoin like uh, educating them and like what are the strategies so I learned a lot from you guys and uh, it's been a great space and I hope I will connect with you some some of you people and like know more about um, how Bitcoin adoption uh, is going 
in different countries and uh, what are the ways we can utilize those things uh, in Sri Lanka uh, for education and uh, moving towards the Bitcoin standard as well. Yes, it's been a very nice before, experience. Yes, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah. Before, before um, I ask Jaime to... Um, I just have a follow-up question to you, SL. Uh, you are growing pineapple for Bitcoin, right? <laughs> That's true, yeah, kind of. Because you didn't, I, you I, didn't talk about that too much. I mean, can you share a little bit about, about what you're doing there with us? Yeah, yeah. So um, I brought this, uh, I, I bought this uh, piece of land, uh, like a one and a half acres. Uh, it's like a coconut field and with pineapples. And um, I grow pineapple and sell it in the local market. And uh, my brother actually uh, handles all the stuff. And from the revenue we get, I allocate a portion like 10-15% to buy Bitcoin and save it in a uh, hardware wallet. And uh, for those uh, for the for that transaction, I use P2P on ramps in Sri Lanka, and even it is like uh, like 15, 20, maybe sometimes 40 percent uh, marked up uh, with the uh, exchange rate at the moment. It's still worth it, uh, I I think because and I I try hard to uh, orange bill my brother as well and he's starting stacking set right now and uh, he's spreading the word with his friends as well so it's been uh, it's been my um, side projects uh, because i'm in us i can stack set here pretty easily without any uh, uh, markup uh, without any like um, i i can like buy at almost the market price so uh, if I'm buying in Sri Lanka I have to pay this uh, uh, markup price for the P2P vendor so it's, it's I'm still buying uh, Bitcoin with uh, some of the profits but not as much Bitcoin as I do uh, while I'm in, uh, in the US so yeah that's that's all uh, that's the thing I wanted to share uh, that's more of like education, like educating my brother and his friends and uh, people around me with Bitcoin. Uh, like, yeah, I'm more focused on that area in that venture. Yep. Thanks for sharing. Super cool. Pravi, can you please share your roundup words? My sum up on this whole thing is Bitcoin can give us a way to come out of this whole mess we are in right now. The country situation I heard some uh, once said you came down in 2019-2018. That time you came to a paradise I would say compared to current situation. We see fuel queues of few kilometers. M mostly we are here because we don't have enough forex. Now there is no way of getting it immediately. If we actually have a plan on Bitcoin, we can do wonders. Because already we have a considerable community. What we really need right now is adaptation by certain big players. 
the moment we get it i think we will have a super boom with uh, with uh, with the with the community wise economy will take some time but community adaptation will have a super boom the moment some big players come into the bitcoin acceptance and thank you very much for hosting this guys thank you for joining and taking the time to share your knowledge uh pravi if you haven't heard before is a lawyer in sri lanka so if you're looking to do something to further adoption of bitcoin in sri lanka maybe pravi is the right guy to talk to he seems to know his way around town and some hacks uh, to get around the gray zone uh, which uh, surrounds uh, bitcoin in sri lanka at the moment so jaime finally we get to you jaime please go ahead hey guys no it was uh, really good to to learn i did see uh, chimbera down in the audience and it just sort of uh, reminded me that um, you know um the folks from bitcoin beach released their uh, their their white paper 2.0 which is really a roadmap for how to get uh, circular economies uh, started uh, anywhere in the around the world and you don't need um you don't need a government you don't need a wallet you know you can just use the resources and it's free of charge and it's just you know it's all about just getting going and and basically not stopping with a few people a few merchants and and then uh you know getting just just getting it uh going and so you know that's uh that's available um and so if you just go down to bitcoinbeach.com they they have a, a couple of places where you can download the pdf or or you can go to their github page so um and then the other thing is like you know i i know i should have probably asked this earlier but if there's anything in terms of like you need from you know from us as individuals or that we can pr- promote to the bitcoin twitter community in terms of uh helping sri lanka with it, it, you know with your adoption of bitcoin you know just let us know reach out you know we'll even a retweet or just an awareness so that we can um you know help you guys as effort but other than that uh you know super privileged and uh, honored to be up here and um yeah just learn a lot from you guys especially given the um all of the situation that uh, the country has gone through and so just know that you know from from me uh no being a salvadoran and knowing what what it's like to experience uh, turmoil in in your country i empathize um you know um, a lot with uh, what what you guys are going through but uh, yeah for sure uh, you guys have a, a great uh, great day and uh, yeah thank you very much i'm uh, i've learned a lot about sri lanka way more than i learned driving through those crazy mountain roads in the middle of the night with the rain falling and fearing for my life um and driving along the beach in the south part of the island as well um one thing that i remember particularly from sri lanka from my personal experience on the ground this was in 2016 was uh, how crazy the traffic was there's no other place that i've experienced with such crazy traffic the traffic is so crazy in sri lanka that people when they get on the highway they can't believe it so no place on earth have i driven on a highway where people drive like 10 10 kilometers lower than the speed limit because everybody's so used to the streets being so crazy <laughs> that they're so used to driving really carefully 
uh, you have the dogs jumping out, you have the bikes, you have the buses that just straight drive straight out, you have to jump off. Um, and uh, yeah, that's one of my most intensive memories driving through Sri Lanka. And at that time, it was really still functioning. It was the tourist boom. I'm really sad to hear um, what, what has happened since then. But maybe, maybe countries uh, like Sri Lanka that are early in having uh, the, uh, the downfall maybe can also be early in rising to the occasion and adopting Bitcoin. That's one of the things that I've been thinking that, yeah, maybe it could be a blessing in disguise if, um, if things can happen uh, on the ground and the things that you're doing as a Bitcoin uh, and uh, making a, a Bitcoin maxi community, onboarding everybody that have been uh, dabbling with shitcoins but are maybe sick of that and ready to commit to the real journey. Um, I've found that if you really want to have a vibrant Bitcoin community, you want it to uh, stay Bitcoin focused. So some level of toxicity is needed. Um, so yeah, stay strong. I know that in most Asian cultures that I've encountered, people aren't as upfront as maybe Eastern European cultures or Americans. So, you know, yelling at somebody for being shit corner, maybe it's not the, uh, the first approach, but it's um, definitely something necessary to build a strong community. And um, yeah, uh, thanks for the insights. Uh, I've really enjoyed the space. And uh, I would like the specifically the... Uh, Sri Lankans to open up their mic and share with us um, how do you say goodbye in Sri Lankan? If all of you can open up the mic at the same time, uh, that would be great. And while you're doing it, I want to say that we are Global Bitcoin Fest. We enjoy listening to Bitcoiners worldwide share about their communities. We love connecting Bitcoiners. We see that more and more of the people that join our show uh, they also interact with other bitcoiners uh, and um, it, we're doing a social every tuesday where you can come hang out ask what's happening in brazil argentina iran nigeria wherever uh, there's bitcoiners from all over the world meeting their proper maxis and you can also exchange some experiences so yeah welcome and please unmute sl crypto kasha how do you say Goodbye in Sri Lankan. So um, <clears throat> there are a couple of like couple of ways hey. to say goodbye. I would Roxy. say Aibuan. Uh, so Where are you going? Aibuan, Aibuan, everyone. Uh, Aibuan means uh, may you have a longer life. Aibuan, right? Aibuan, yes, that's right. Okay, Aibuan. So if uh, Cash App, uh, Crypto, if you can unmute, uh, let's say this together. I won, guys. I won. Guys. Thank you. Goodbye, I won. And have a good night over there in Sri Lanka. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.